And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. Derek Van Riper, Britt Giroli, Eno Saris here with you on this Friday. It turns out hitters are no longer having fun, so we will explore why that is the case. Britt had a great piece with Ken Rosenthal breaking down uh, some of the problems with the current landscape of baseball. Uh, that includes another no-hitter. Yes, uh, Corey Kluber threw one this week, so we're up to six for the season. And that it would be seven if we counted Madison Bumgarner seven inning one against Atlanta, but apparently that doesn't count. So we're let's say we're at six point seven eight no hitters for the season, to be more precise. <laughs> we will try and predict who throws the next no hitter in Major League Baseball. And uh, as we started to hone in on it on Wednesday, we've got a few suspects that we're going to pick on. Plus, Steven Strasburg comes back, so we'll talk about what we might see from him as he gets back on the mound for the first time in more than a month. But let's begin with that piece that I referenced, Britt. Great collaboration with Ken. Hitters are not having fun anymore, and we're starting to get some comparisons to the steroid era just in reverse with pitchers having complete control over everything. Yeah, well, Eno kind of stole the show. I want to give him a big shout-out on that as well. Ken said, hey, can you come up with a graph to kind of show spin rate and what's been happening and, you know, I think that graph was basically worth the, the price of admission showing how crazy it is that all the fastballs basically have doubled, right? And spin rate that's over uh, 2,400 RPMs has doubled since the StatCast era started. Now, here's something Ken and I were talking about a little bit. Um, you know, the there's no way to naturally create this kind of jump, right? It's kind of like velocity. You're either born with it or you're not, and you can make some minor adjustments along the way. But what we're seeing right now, there, there's no way it's natural, right? Yeah, I mean, some people might quibble with you about the velocity thing. I mean, like driveline would be like, hey, no, we can we can coach velocity. But um, I mean, I think you're right, though, because you have a maximum velocity. And, you, and basically what driveline does is get you to be able to like throw closer to your maximum more often, I think. Uh, but driveline did the studies on on this and they were public with it. And they said that we can't find any way to increase your spin rate other than, you know, these substances. Um, I've had some pushback from pitching coordinators and coaches that say, no, you can, this is that, but they didn't tell me what it was. So I don't know if I believe them. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, the only other caveat I want to give is that like, uh, a spin rate goes up with velocity. So you will see guys that their spin rate goes up if their velocity goes up. But if you're just talking about a guy who has the same velocities before, if his spin rate goes up, I mean, we saw 500 with spider tack with that crazy insano goop. <laughs> Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought, you know, it was really compelling. Um, the, the compelling, the most compelling piece about the piece, uh, was, oh, that's, that's really good. Really good radio there. Uh, the most compelling part of your, of your piece was, um, that people are getting tired of it, man. Yeah. They're just like, like you had pictures. When I started like talking, writing, writing about this, I had pictures telling me, don't write about this. Wow. And now, as I told you guys off air, this started because I had pitchers call me and say, hey, right. this is getting out of control. And I, I think that's <laughs> important because people keep asking me like, oh, you know, they've been putting pine tar on their hands forever, you know. Um, and I spoke to Jim Palmer, who was really good at explaining the difference now. They were putting pine tar on their hands back in the day to grip the baseball. There was no advanced analytics saying, if you put stick them here and here, you can increase your spin rate by this and this. And I had a guy tell me yesterday, there are teams doing this that are saying to minor league guys, put this here and here, and our analytics show that you can throw a spin rate of this. So it it's always been around, but it's never been utilized because we've never been as smart as we are now. And people are like, well, how is 
you know, if everyone's cheating, why is Trevor Bauer, for example, why is, why is he still better than other people? These guys are smarter than other people at, at applying stuff. So gone are the days where they're just slapping it on their hands. Um, everything is very calculated now. And, um, certainly Trevor Bauer years ago blew the whistle on this and nobody did anything. And now it's gotten worse and worse. Yeah, I think I think you're right. There's a difference between oh, some sunscreen and rosin for better grip. We found there's a 500 RPM difference with the Spider Tac. That means there's probably something that's better than Spider Tac that someone's put together. You know that we just don't even know about. There's probably some sort of plus 600 stuff. And that memo from baseball saying oh, we're going to look at differences in spin rate. That actually does. That actually incentivizes what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. It incentivizes a team to say whoa. If they're going to check this at the major league, we better make sure that our minor leaguers come up using it already. Spin class, where you learn how to put Spin sticky class. stuff on your fingers <laughs> and actually utilize it properly before you set those baselines. You got to set those baselines exactly. And and one thing that I've uh, that I haven't put in a story yet that you know because once you start writing about this, people like tell you start telling you more. Um, you you made a little motion with your hands. You could see it on YouTube. She made a little motion like put this thing here and here. I didn't know this, but some people have two substances, one for the thumb and one for the fingers. Wow. I didn't know that either. So there's like, you'll have like the hat is for the thumb because you see them like touch the hat, the underside with the thumb. There you go. And then you'll have something else by your belt buckle or in the glove. What? And you kind of put your fingers in there for the other thing. So you can have, and I that actually solves a riddle for me, which is like, how do you throw a good change up? If, uh, like, especially if you have like a straight changeup or something, how does Lucas, like, I'm not saying Lucas Giolito uses, I'm just saying like, if you could, Lucas Giolito uses for his breaking balls, how does he then throw a straight change? And I bet you that, and I'm still not saying this about Giolito, but I'm just saying that, like, you know, one way of doing it is to have two substances and just be like, kind of alternate and, and, and do different fingers. So that's. That's fascinating. I Derek, you, I have not heard that at all. Eno is like the resident sticky stuff whisperer, though. Uh, no, but you got you know you got real Muto on the record, or the, we had real Muto on the record, and that doesn't surprise me actually because a catcher <laughs> is a catcher, but he's also a hitter, right? Like he works with the pitchers, but he's fu- he's also a hitter. Yeah. <laughs> so at some point, the hitter part, like there's a catcher part of him, who's like, ooh, I don't want to bust my guys, you know. But the hitter part of him is like, ah! yeah, yes, and it's funny because one of the pitchers that I spoke to in in the article was like, at first everyone's like, yay, pitchers, we're going so well. Who cares about the hitters? <laughs> He's like, but then you realize I, you're competing against guys who are doing this, right? You're going to arbitration yeah. against guys with insane stats. So all of a sudden, it's not that fun anymore when it's cutting into your money and your contract and your job status. It's if you can't beat them, join them. And now you're seeing everybody I think, kind of cheat. I think that's the calculus Bauer made, right? He's like, you know, and he was and he was right. Like, does he get that $40 million deal? No. No. He, he wasn't on track for that. No. He was three an years average ago. big league starter. Yeah. Yeah. And that might be at the higher end of the impact because he understands the application as well or better than just about anybody out there. Because I think you're, you're right, Britt. I think there's probably a sliding scale you have a bunch of guys out there who are doing what they're told and they don't quite understand the why it works. Bauer gets uh, gets the why it works part. But other guys are out there and their hands are getting sticky and then they go to the wrong part. They go to the belt instead of the cap and they mix up the two goos <laughs> and they like, what do I do now? Like how do I what do I how do I fix it? Or they're this? just using pine tar like yeah. you know when I did see players pitchers like loading up in front of me it was pine tar. It was just they were just like kind of using the pine tar stick and and kind of putting it between their their glove fingers, you know, it's a little different than like I'm gonna boil this thing together. I kind of wish it was more like that. I kind of wish this was like the the result of everyone being home last year. Was that pitchers were in their kitchens just boiling things <laughs> up, freezing things, trying every possible chemical experience possible? Like if it were actual homemade science that were pushing this. It would be a little bit fun, but I think because it's so... <laughs> it is to some extent. Like, I have definitely... Some of my reporting is that, like, the Coca-Cola and, like, CBD oil and, like, people <laughs> people are boiling this stuff together, so... Yeah, I it's guess true. our Eagle Moon Hemp ads have been very effective. You know what's crazy, too? And I had guys tell me about this, is you watch sometimes after a pitcher strikes someone out and the infield's throwing the ball around, and all of a sudden, one of the infielders is a few feet away, and he will 
he will throw the ball and bounce it because it's so sticky and they're not used to it. Then all of a sudden it's like, you know, like Velcro to them. They're just like, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, don't want to call anyone out, but I had a guy send me videos and this is definitely going on. And, and they call them stick balls. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. a montage of like infielders throwing like it into the ground. Like a guy throwing it in. And then he's looking at his hand and he's like rubbing it and it's like all right you guys like and i think that's the crazy part of this story too because if it's spider tech you, if you can hold a, a cinder block even if it's like people were like people don't think that's a real cinder block okay even if it's a light cinder block it, it weighs more than a ball so that means if you have spider tech on your fingers you could just like you could just hold the ball like this yes it's just nuts <laughs> and it's funny because no one's trying to hide it because MLB's doing nothing about it. And I guess that's the bigger issue. Like, why send that memo out and then collect all, pretend you're collecting data? Or maybe they are collecting data, but are you just going to let this whole year go? Because you're talking about guys' jobs and lives and money at stake. I just don't think – I think maybe spring training was the time to collect the data. I don't know how you guys feel about that. You have to always allow for a charitable reading. I, this is my charitable reading of what baseball is doing right now. <laughs> the Mitchell Report. They're doing the like first bit where they're like trying to figure out how much of a problem it is. Also, they probably don't want to start a huge fight with the players union when they're already in the middle of a huge fight. Unless they unless they think that's a way to like leverage, you know, and be, you know, leverage it in the CBA discussions. But I was thinking maybe resolving it during the CBA discussions is a little easier than starting that fight right now. And and you don't. If you're Major League Baseball, you don't want this to be as much of a story as it's going to be throughout the season. You're kind of hoping that people, as the weather gets warmer, the hitters start to hit the ball to the park a little more, offense starts to tick back up in the right direction, and then we kind of forget about this. Because after the the Bauer sticky baseballs were removed a few weeks ago, we really hadn't talked that much about sticky stuff. It had been like a month since this topic had come up, but now I just think now that we have almost two months of offense being as deflated as it is, people are asking these questions and are taking it a lot more seriously. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a certain phenomenon, right? That's uh, that's happening right now. That's going to keep it in the news if it keeps happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And exactly. And it's it's you know um, guys who aren't cheating and pitching well. People, it's got that ripple effect, right? Everyone thinks that they're cheating. And what's interesting with the union thing, though, is. We got guys on the record that are upset about this. So you're kind of already angering half the union by not enforcing a rule. This isn't something the union has to agree to because it's already in the rule book. That's my, I guess, issue with it. And, you know, I, I, I was talking to a guy yesterday and he's like, what they could do, and what they refuse to do is just get that tacky ball. It, but it would cost money and it would require them to start over. MLB owns part of Rawlings. They can do whatever they want to the ball without any player input. And players have to go along right. with it. Like, players had no say in what this new baseball did. But what this new baseball did was create even more movement by those higher seams. And so you combine that with these crazy, sophisticated concoctions, and you're just feeding into these guys who all of a sudden have swing and miss stuff. And Real Muto said it in the story. Everybody now in baseball has swing and miss stuff. And we can blame the hitters all we want. But when you see these no-hitters every night, these no-hit bids every night, um, at what point are we like, okay, baseball, maybe we should start enforcing these rules. If it pisses off players, it pisses off players, but you're still going to have a lot of players that are like, thank you for enforcing these rules because it's just not fair. Hitting's already the toughest thing to do in pro sports, right? We talk about it all the time. Hitting's already really hard. Why are we going to go for the three-point shot and make the drastic move the mound back? Why not go for the layup and enforce the rules first? See how that goes. Yeah, it's just going to take... A, right I think a few managers saying, hey, we're going to start enforcing this. So if you've been doing some things, you're going to have to change it up because if, if we're going to call their teams out, they're going to call us out. And if you don't have a plan, you're going to get hit and we're going to have a problem. Uh, but the, the straw that may have broke the camel's back, I don't like that expression. Uh, it was probably Corey Kluber's no hitter. Camel violence. Yeah, leave, let camels be. <laughs> it seems like they, they just, they're not protected the way they should be. Corey Kluber threw a no-hitter this week, and this was all cool when it was Eno's guys, when it was John Means and Spencer Turnbull, but Corey Kluber coming back from the early season dead to throw a no-no, 
I think that's the last straw. Like this, this wasn't supposed to happen. No, it's not the last straw because it's Corey Kluber. What it is is, was it like three days in a row? <laughs> Plus the record, the record for no hitters of the season is seven. Mm-hmm. So the next no hitter that gets thrown is the record, and we're in May. Yeah, we have a chance to break the record before the end of the month. Yeah. That is absolutely possible. The weirdest thing about this: three teams have each been no hit twice. Cleveland. Texas, Seattle. So you have these bottom feeder teams. In addition to pitchers being more ahead than ever, you've got this greater disparity between the league's good offenses and the league's bad offenses. I don't think the next one has to come from one of those three teams, but I'm really inclined to say it's been weird enough this year where it probably will come from one of those three teams. Yeah, those teams are terrible, and I don't know if any kind of sticky stuff, ball, whatever, would change that. I think those teams just show what happens when you don't try to win, right? Like, or when you don't try to add any kind of offensive output at all. Like, that's to me, I mean, Ken and I talked to a lot of people for this story. Nobody wanted to say, hey, these no-hitters are cheap. I do think people feel like, hey, these no-hitters are getting to the point where they feel cheap um, just based on what's going on. But certainly, I think these some of these lineups, like... Again, how are these teams not penalized for some of these lineups that are running out there? It's like in spring training, you get in trouble for not sending enough starters on the road and for not trying. But in the regular season, it's okay to not try. There, there's there's a lot going on here. I mean, I think that the, I think all of these stories that we're talking about have kind of come together, right? I think the ball does have a little bit of something to do with it. We're seeing higher velos and more movement than ever. Uh, plus, it deadens the ball. Like there was a story on Fangrass from Dem Fink about how this is turning homers into outs. <laughs> So if you turn homers into outs and you add velocity and you add movement, that's going to have an effect on – that's going to lead to more no-hitters, right? Then you take uh, the stratification in baseball where it's like some teams don't try as hard, which I think is, is, is true. But then if you think about it, these three teams also play in pitcher's parks. So it's a little bit of a, just a regular baseball story where there's kind of a pitcher park in April and May, so cold – Right. So some of it is regular baseball. Some of it is the ball. Some of it is the finances of baseball. Um, and then some of it is just the long term trends towards uh, all or nothing baseball. where We're having more strikeouts than hits the last few seasons. So I think that's all coming together. Um, but I kind of think it'll keep going. I know that the weather will warm and there'll be more offense, but I kind of think that we're going to get to like, what's your over under? What's your guys over under on no hitters for the year? Is it like. 12 or is it 10? Yeah, I think 10. 10. I think 10. Because you're right. It's going to, and here's the other thing is people are like, well, this team's hitting or this guy's hitting. Guys are still hitting mistakes, right? Like mistakes are still going to fly out and they're going to fly out even more as it warms up. Um, mm-hmm. But there are, we are going to, in my opinion, go over that. We're going to be in double digits and no hitters for sure. Yeah. If we set the number. It's hard to imagine 10. we don't set the record this year. It, yeah. Two, two more seems like a certainty, even if we don't get right. another one before the end of May, which I'm being a little facetious. It's probably not happening that quickly. I'm just not ruling out the possibility. But let's do the draft. I like this idea. Oh yeah. We're going to do the draft. It, well, yeah, we'll run through that. It, what's amazing though, real quick is that you look at the teams that are struggling offensively. Uh, they're either, let's just say they're 10% worse than league average in terms of WRC plus. Most of these teams are rebuilding. It's the Orioles, the Royals, the Marlins, the Indians, the Mariners, the Pirates, the Brewers, the Tigers, and the Rockies. And the Rockies, a 76 WRC+. plus. I mean, that is unbelievably bad. That is embarrassing. Like, that is so, so bad. But there's two teams in there that are legitimately trying. And I would say the Royals, because of what they're trying to do, is different. They're not, they're not punting on the season. So you've got basically three of those teams that are actually trying. Cleveland, Milwaukee, and Kansas City. And those teams, the Brewers especially, strike out a ton. They've been missing Christian Yelich. I know Keston here has been at AAA. But these are teams that have serious holes in their offense that until they make a trade, they're probably not going to be able to fill with prospects coming up. Because if they had those prospects at the ready, they'd be using them already. They would have them up there because they're looking for solutions. Yeah, I don't don't have an easy answer. I think that's where you start talking about the sticky stuff a little bit. Because I mean, the strikeout rate is just through the roof, man. And it and there's a big there's a big leap forward. It's not just like, oh, it's 0.5 more, like 0.1 more than last year. It's like 0.5 more than last year. It's like a there's a big leap forward. Although I have to, there's one little interesting thing I saw, which is that if you take pitchers out, 
it's only like 0.1 more than last year. So we're seeing a little bit of an aggressive difference because we had the DH last year. Mm. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if pitcher hitting performance is even worse than usual because of the year off and fears about injuries and all, all sorts of different adjustments to pitcher hit, pitchers are hitting worse than ever before. Um, I think it's just, it's the death knell. It's just, it's, uh, we don't have to litigate it now, but because it gets people angry. But <laughs> yeah. I think, we'll, we'll think lit- it's time. We'll litigate yeah. that the DH. on a no, future day. It, it's, it's true. It's time. But I guess like the thing too, that I don't buy into like the hitters being just the hitters falls. They didn't wake up this year and say, Hey, launch angle, launch angle. That's been going on. So no, no. So you can blame hitters approach all you want, but we've seen the hitters approach. We've seen this approach over the last few years, right? So it's something else. And what did we get? We got a new baseball. What else do we know that's going on? Well, we know that the spin rates are through the roof. We know that guys that are past the prime, their prime pitching ages are coming up with these huge jumps in spin rates. We know that's not normal. It's not very hard to figure mm. out who's using if you look at the charts. Of, you know, guys should not be in their 30s and having these this huge jump, right? Like, I think we can all agree that's not an anomaly. They're using something to go over the edge. And I think it's starting yeah. to spread. Like, I want to do what he's doing, right? Like, uh, you know, one of the guys in the story mentioned it, and it's true. Like, you watch this and we're all like, oh, my God. You watch Pitching Ninja and all these overlays. And you're like, these are video game pitches. These are pitches you cannot do with the, just the human hand. I think we all need to acknowledge that this is not normal. Um, it's something that's that's come up in the stuff research that that I do is I keep looking at it and it's like it just keeps saying sliders are really good. And there was this point in one of the stories I was doing about this. So it was about the the plate moving back. Anyway, a pitching coordinator said that uh, he would just have his pitchers uh, throw eighty percent breaking balls, and. Uh, um, uh, I had another pitching coordinator I talked to who said, uh, you know, one analyst said, no, teams, players would just adjust to it. They'd just be able to hit breaking balls, right? They would just sit breaking ball and they'd be able to hit it. But I had another pitching coordinator who said, no, man, you can tell people that a slider is coming in the cage and it's still harder to hit than a fastball. So I don't know if maybe like three or four years would, would change things, but there does seem to be something like all the best stuff numbers come from sliders. And we're seeing more and more sliders every year. And we're seeing crazier and crazier sliders every year. So it's the slider league and everyone's using gooey stuff. I think that's a major part of the strikeout rate. Yeah. If you get rid of the gooeyest of the gooey stuff, you will help reverse this trend a little. But you're not going to completely undo it because there are other changes in play here. Uh, defensive efficiency would be the other thing I would point to. Also tempering offense quite a bit. You know, mm-hmm. Shifting is peaking like it's as optimized as it's ever been balls in play less valuable than ever as a result of that as well more well. more valuable less less they're happening less well they're happening less so they're more valuable because yeah. they're more scarce but i'm saying yeah, when yeah, you put yeah, a ball yeah. in play it's more likely to be turned into an out than it ever really has yeah, been in yeah. the past so that's why yeah. those are becoming less valuable even though they are more valuable from a scarcity standpoint. <laughs> yeah. They're being rewarded. Oh, they're getting less. more. They're getting less out of their 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 balls in play. There, the rewards of putting a ball in play have diminished. That is the yeah. correct way to say it. Proper radio and podcast speak. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, we are on to our no-hitter draft. I didn't think it would come to this, but you know what? We said earlier this year we're looking for new, creative, and simple ways to play fantasy baseball. (laughs) It really doesn't get easier than this. There's one category. There's one event we're looking for. It's basically a pool, right? If we get a no-hitter, 
we win. First person to get a no-hitter wins. If two no-hitters happen on the same day, the tiebreaker is which no-hitter ends first. So uh, a slight lean towards the games that start earlier in the day. So if you did your homework on this and you know which of these games are day games and you want to leverage that, good for you. You've done a great job. But we're narrowing this down. It's not a draft of the entire league this time around. Uh, Because we want to pick on the Rangers, the Mariners, and the Indians, we are only allowed to draft starting pitchers facing one of those three teams, and this will run through the end of the month. So if we don't get a no-hitter from one of these these pitchers by the end of this month, it resets. We try again in June. Maybe we even open it up, but it seems like it should be fun. So, Britt, you are new to fantasy baseball and new to our absolute weirdness that we have as a group. Depravity. <laughs> yeah, so as a result of, of subjecting yourself to this nonsense... Eno and I are always subjecting ourselves to nonsense. You can have the first pick. We'll go across the screen from right to left. So it'll go Brit, Eno, me. We're not going to snake it. I'm not going to do two picks in a row. So that'll be the order for each round. So Brit, you have the first pick. Okay. Well, the Padres are playing the Mariners. So kind of like those chances, don't you? They don't. I mean, Paddock's tonight. So should I take Paddock? And just be on <laughs> It's tempting, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? That's what I'm doing. I'm doing it. <laughs> All right. Just keep the ball rolling. <laughs> All right. Chris Paddock, who goes on Friday night, is the first pick to Brit. You know, you've got the second pick. Uh, I kind of want to pick another Padre, but I'm going to leave him out there um, and go off board a little bit. Uh, he's not even healthy yet. <laughs> no, geez. What are you going with? Marco Gonzalez leads the league in decisions since he's been in baseball. The Mariners leave pitchers in longer than anyone, and he'll have one of those excellent command nights against the Rangers at the end of the month. So I'm going for the long-term payoff there. All right. Well, I'm going to take the Padre that Britt was probably thinking about and the one that you probably considered as well. You Darvish catches them. Yeah, it's Sunday. Uh, I I wish it were It's it's probably an afternoon game. I wish it were a night game. That'd be even better, but it's the Mariners. You Darvish can take care of the Mariners. So I will take Darvish with my first pick in hopes of getting that no-no on Sunday against Seattle. It's back to you, Britt. Oh, this is getting interesting. So looking at the so the Angels and Mariners play the Rangers um, after that. But the Astros play them right now. So what about Lance McCullers Jr.? Later That's a this good weekend? call. It's a really nice call. Yeah, he's got the start on Saturday. Yep. Uh, Tyler Ivey is going in the first game of the series. I, I don't think Ivey's going to pitch deep enough into the game. So I think you're right to go with McCullers. I'm still uh, the my 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 rubric is boring old dude uh, that they will leave in longer. Like wait by um, so. <laughs> Kyle Gibson, come on down. (laughs) I hate that that's actually a really good pick for what we're trying to accomplish here. And I'm, yeah, I'm impressed. I, I'm going to go, I'm going to pick on Cleveland for the first time in this draft. I know he's been absolute rubbish and using Eno's rubric, the guy who starts the day after him would be probably a slightly better pick, even though he's been terrible too. Kenta Maeda is going to be the pick. He's got nice. Cleveland on Saturday. It'd be nice to see Kenta Maeda fix those ratios and turn around his slow start with a no-no. So, yeah, yeah. if it comes at Cleveland's expense, I am fine with that. So, I don't... All right, are we going to three? We're going three? Yeah, let's go, let's, let's go four. Let's go four rounds. Let's, let's go each four. four. Oh, okay. All right. Yep, so, two be, more picks each. It's got to be one of those teams that already got no-hit, because how have the Orioles had a no-hitter and not been no-hit? Just think about it. Yeah, isn't can it? we go off? Because the Tigers, off? man. The Tigers are begging to be no hit. And they've had a no hitter. So it's just crazy. Like I think Let's do the last the last round can go off off. Okay. Off the, All yeah. right, last, last round could be anybody in the entire league. This round's gotta be from one of the three teams right. that we mentioned. So I don't know if he's gonna pitch or not, but I think he might. But what about Otani against the Rangers? <laughs> it could totally happen. I'm a little worried about that velo drop. Length. Yeah, and, like and the length too because of the command. So I think that's the if you want him, he's yours. If you want to reconsider, I I, I think he's shaky no. for reasons no, beyond but, his talent. You know, one thing I've noticed in these no hitters, it's it's often there that the pitchers most like they don't throw many pitches. Yes. That's why they get left in. Like Kluber right? is not a so, guy they were gonna push. Yes, agreed. Yeah, right. They weren't gonna push him to 120 pitches. He only was left in because he he did it in like eighty nine or something yeah. ridiculous. 
Yes. So that would be just Otani would just have one of his like, you know, peak days and and do it in 89 pitches. Yeah. And also, I like my first two picks. I like Otani as like my sexy third rounder who may pop, but I don't necessarily (laughs) need him to pop. That is a veteran (laughs) fantasy move to just take the players you like later on just to be like, you know what? I want to be right about this. I'm taking this guy. Yeah. If Otani throws no hitter, I want to be the one who who has picked him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Then, uh, I'm going to go with uh, young Matt. He's not even young anymore. Matthew Boyd. Matthew Boyd. Nice call. Yeah. Matthew Boyd has got Cleveland and near to the end of the month. Unfortunately, all of mine come near the end of the month. So I will be the laggard on this leaderboard if it, if there are multiple <laughs> no hitters. Yeah. I'm just trying to crowd as early as I can to the nearest possible day. I'm going to go Christian Javier for my last one. I think he's got the Rangers on Sunday. So... If McCullers doesn't do it for Britt on Saturday, I've got uh, two swipes at it with Darvish and Javier both going on Sunday. (laughs) All right, so it's wide open for your fourth pick. Any pitcher on any team in any matchup to get a no-hitter before the end of the month, and it's your pick, Britt. Patrick Corbin against the Orioles on Sunday. You've got... Uh, you've got day game, you've got the Orioles offense, and you've also got Patrick Corbin, who has had a little much-needed resurgence here as of late. So I would have picked Scherzer, but they're missing Scherzer. They're not going to get Scherzer at all during this series. Um, so I'm going to go. I'm going to go Patrick Corbin against the Orioles. Impressive. I didn't think you'd go with a guy struggling that much, but he does fit the Eno rubric of someone that can easily pitch deep into that game. Exactly. And he has, he's been better as of late. And I think you make the mistake with no hitters of saying this guy has to be really good to have a no hitter. That's not the case this year. Anybody can do it. (laughs) All right, Mr. Baller, who is your last pick? I am looking at, uh, actually, I'm also looking at a name change. Uh, Now I am Action Eno. (laughs) Action Eno. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm looking at the schedule right now to see who catches the uh, Tigers. So Savali pitched... Very recently, one, two, three, four. Ooh. is more likely than Shane Bieber to catch the Tigers. They both could based on the starters grid that I'm looking at. So that's a pretty interesting series to pick on. And what's funny is that if I pick Bieber, if I pick Bieber, I will have don't I, don't I have multiple guys on the twenty seventh? Yeah, they, yes. yeah, you have Boyd I will have too. Three guys on the twenty seventh. So you're just loading up. Right. One they, day. they could go up against like each it. other that day. Oh, Bieber against Boyd. Yeah, that could actually be the matchup. <laughs> I gotta love it. I got two. I got guys on both sides of that game. I guess I'm calling for the under on that one. <laughs> All right, I'm taking Bieber and Boyd. So I'm sure it's sure to be a seven five game. Yeah, stack stack that game in DFS. If you're playing on DraftKings that day in a tournament, just load up the hitters on both sides. Shane Bieber, baby. Fade, fade Eno as much as you can. It's really tempting. So Jacob deGrom is supposed to be back against Colorado at home in his next turn. Did you see what he did to the minor oh, leaguers? He was just obliterating them. <laughs> Through like 102. Oh Gosh. Can you imagine being in high A and be like, so who's the starter day? What? <laughs> hey, at least he got a scouting report on him. You know, everyone's seen him before. So <laughs> he struck out eight of the ten batters he saw. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. eight strikeouts to three scoreless <laughs> innings. I think the only case against Degrom would be that they could just yank him after like six innings, even if he's pitching really well. If yeah. they're if they're up seven zero, I think it let him finish it. So I don't, I don't feel real good about that particular situation. So big David Peterson coward. <laughs> I do want to pick against the Rockies. That is that is my priority. So my options, I'm not doing it at Coors, and I, the matchups are bad. It'd be, it'd be Bumgarner or Corbin Martin if I had to do that. At Coors? Yeah. You know who it's no, going to be? Bumgarner. It's going to be Marcus Stroman. Marcus <laughs> Stroman's my pick. Ooh, there you go. We need not a bad. we need a Marcus Stroman no-hitter. So like that. Ton of ground balls. Yep. Ton of ground balls could be really That's actually efficient. a secret thing for Kluber. You know, it, it wasn't a ton of strikeouts. It was yeah. more ground balls. Less yeah, pitches so that the, way. Oh, it's, a, it's a good way to go. I I, uh, I think this is going to be fun. So to recap it, Britt's got Paddock, McCullers, Otani, and Corbin. Eno's got Marco Gonzalez, Kyle Gibson, Matthew Boyd, and Shane Bieber. I've got the olds and Bieber. 
Bieber in the old. Bieber in the old. I've got Darvish, Maeda, Christian Javier, and Marcus Stroman. So good, good mix here. I hope one of us gets this right because it'll be amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what our celebrations going to be, or like if we could. It's supposed to be to a, a super rare event that you could never predict. Right. And we may have predicted like four as a group just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think winner gets sent like two six packs from the losers beer. I like that. All right. Yeah. Two six packs is the wager. If um if you somehow got two, then it doubles. It's two twelve packs. I don't think that's gonna happen. I'm not too worried about that. The, I mean, fact come that, uh, the fact that you have a tiebreaker says everything we need to know about no hitters this season. Well, there might be more than one. <laughs> There might be. You you have to cover all the possible scenarios when running a league. If we all get one, we all just send each other beer and we just all have a beer and clink it. Have a Saturday night Zoom (laughs) drunken live stream. That could be fun or the end of rates and barrels as we know it. (laughs) Yeah, right. We don't know. Really sure. (laughs) Not really sure which way that is going to go. Uh, Let's talk about Steven Strasburg for a moment. He gets the Orioles in his first start back from the IL. And I don't think uh, when it was a a wide open pick anyone you want, I don't think any of us thought, yeah, Strasburg in his first start back is going to come out and throw a no hitter. (laughs) But the thing about Strasburg that I'm most curious about, guys, is if the velocity doesn't come back to its previous levels, do we still think his secondaries are good enough where he can reduce the fastball usage, throw more secondaries, and actually still be very effective? First start of the year against Atlanta, of course, didn't have great velocity there, pitched well got knocked around, went on the IL. I tend to believe he has good enough secondary stuff where he's not going to fall completely on his face unless he is still very hurt. Am I wrong for having that optimism, Britt? You seem a little more skeptical. Um, Yeah, I'm skeptical just because I watched a guy in 2019 have a year so far outside the norm, and I think instead of people saying, this is an anomaly, it may never happen again... They said, here it is. This is Steven Strasburg. Um, when all the numbers and all the data from every other year pointed to the fact that this this wasn't Steven Strasburg, right? Like, this is what we thought he could be, but he has not been able to stay healthy or sustain it. So um, I am going to the game tonight. Um, I am going to drive down to D.C., watch him live. I w- I'm curious to see how the ball looks, what his velo is. Um, but I have a little bit more, I guess, tempered optimism than you do, Derek, about this. Just um, – didn't pitch at all last year. Uh, dealt with some, you know, hand issues that a lot of pitchers haven't. Yeah, like we don't really have a whole lot of data on what happens to David Price David had the Price? same surgery. Yeah, he's, a... you know, he's kind of, I don't want to say fallen off the radar because he probably would be in the rotation if he wasn't on the Dodgers, right? He probably would have started the season in most big league rotations. However, I think we, there's just a lot we don't know about how that's going to affect a guy like Steven Strasburg long term. So, um, optimistic, just a little bit more tempered that he can be the guy the Nationals need uh, to turn it around because the Nationals' first 40 games have been pretty ugly, uh, guys. And I know the Marlins are the only team in the NL East with a positive run differential. Um, so every team has been ugly, um, certainly to some extent. Uh, but the Nationals, more than maybe any other team, certainly in that division, are going to live and die off that rotation. And that rotation just has not been there. Yeah, I mean, the this, this stuff plus numbers on both Price and uh, Strasburg this year are not good. Uh, Strasburg was 5% worse than league average. Price is 17% worse than league average in terms of stuff. Um, I don't think they, they ever kind of climbed back to, or Price never really climbed back to where he was pre, uh, pre-surgery. Uh, but again, that's such a small sample that I'm not going to say that that's definitive for Strasburg. What I'd be watching, and I think that what you're, what, what I do agree that his secondaries are good, but uh, he has to throw some fastballs. And what he was doing was throwing the the sinker. If he, uh, if somehow like the time off has allowed him to even throw the four seam, even at a reduced vo- velocity, uh, then I think that uh, we could see uh, not vintage Strasburg, but a Strasburg that throws the fastball less, uses the four-seam, he mixes up, uh, kind of does the old pitcher trick where, you know, he throws everything 20% of the time. Uh, there is that possibility, but uh, I I really struggled with ranking him just because there is the chance that he comes and the velocity's back and everything's fine, and uh, we've seen glimpses of that, and you know, from him. So 
I don't want to be completely wrong. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I kind of just threw it threw a dart uh, on the Strasburg rankings that, that came out today. Where did I put him? Well, you're 20, 25, which is yeah, just, that's not bad. It's, it's it's like destined to be wrong. Either he's healthy and he's better than that or he's not. And he's worse than that. Yeah, so you just you've averaged two outcomes that are equally yeah. likely, and you've got an outcome that is unlikely. <laughs> exactly. He <laughs> still has PTSD from like hating on Kluber, so now he's gonna like toe the middle. <laughs> Everybody is okay. Uh, you'll you'll make you'll make good on it next week. And by the way, you want to check out those rankings. You want to check out that piece that Britt and Ken Rosenthal and Eno's chart are all in. You can check but, that out at theathletic.com/slash rates and barrel one dollar a month is the current subscription deal. One last thing about the Kluber thing that's interesting to me is that if you think about it, it's really rare for people to come out negative on a player. <laughs> it's very rare because yeah. we we don't like it. It's not fun to do. We don't want to criticize the players, right, for example. And then also, it's just... Um, I th- I've seen this in the beer, right? Uh, it's better, I think. I think people just feel better about themselves when they're like rah 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 about the beer or prospects. Man, this happens so much in prospects. You don't want to come out and say, "Oh, Warner Franco doesn't lift the ball. I'm out. I think he's kind of just like a low-powered middle infield uh, all-contact guy." You don't want to be the guy who says that. So instead, you're just like, "Oh, I love Vidal Bruhan or whatever." You know, like you, <laughs> you, everyone like wants to be remembered as the guy who loved a guy. You know. Um, and then I think, I wonder if sometimes it's like, uh, you know, also, uh, Kluber had a no hitter against a team that's been no hit before. Right. And one of the, his earlier starts that was really good before that was the Tigers. Right. And so like some of it's matchup based. So I, I could still be right long-term where, you know, he ends up the season with like a four ERA and a one, four whip or a one, three, five whip. And it's not vintage Kluber, but he was going to have good games, right? So if I'm going to go negative, you know, there's still going to be always these moments where like all of Yankees Twitter descends on me and calls me just horrible names. And <laughs> there's like, there's like these images out there that I'd like to unsee. Um, and, and it's like, I didn't say that he would never have a good game again. So there's just like all these consequences for coming out negative where they could like, you know, like even uh, Kevin Goldstein wrote a piece on Fangraphs about Javier Baez, right? And he said, is it time to worry about Javier Baez, right? Mm-hmm. And then people were tweeting at him every time Javier Baez hit a homer. And it's like, it, Kevin Goldstein didn't say that Javier Baez is never going to hit another homer. Well, you know I'm, yeah, I mean? I've got an example, too. I think it was it was last week on the Athletic Baseball show, I was talking about the Twins eventually, when they're completely healthy, could be at a point where they could say, you know what, we've seen all we need to see from Miguel Sano. And he's the kind of guy they trade or in the offseason they non-tender him and they move on as a way of opening up a spot so that way they can have Kirilov and Larnick and, Larnick, and Buxton yeah. and Kepler, all those guys in the lineup together, right? Because you've got Nelson Cruz as your They DH. let Eddie Rosario go just you know, for nothing at right. some point. And, you know, and, and I think Minnesota fans generally, a little more polite maybe than some of the other fan bases out there, <laughs> haven't come and dunked all over me for Sano hitting I think five homers five since homers I said that last two days <laughs> and I think on the same podcast I said it's really interesting that Randy Rosarena is swinging missing so much in the zone and he's gone on a tear since then too again Rays fans haven't come back and thrown that in my face but you're absolutely right people remember especially when you put it in writing it, it's so much more likely to come back around uh, but yeah it's bad nicknames huh you don't want that you want you want good nicknames that's why you keep coming up with new interesting like artist related names <laughs> yeah i mean the, the guys remember this the internet is undefeated like it will find what you write it will never actually go away <laughs> and people love people never like saying you're right people just like the negative you're wrong that's yes what, that's, a di- that's too. what it is they don't really want to say you're right they would yeah. love to say you're wrong yeah uh what's weird to me is that like they're super angry um and they're like super excited that I'm wrong. And like from my perspective, I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm wrong a fair amount. Like I write about baseball. Like, I'm wrong. Yeah. All do you the know time. someone who writes about baseball? Yeah. Do you know someone that writes about baseball who's not wrong sometimes? Like I don't know that person. I'm wrong about stuff all the time. You don't need to go get the receipts. Like I know that. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember being wrong. I will call myself out for being wrong. Exactly. I, I make enough dumb mistakes that. Believe me, I'm still trying to learn from the last 10 dumb mistakes. 
that I made. So no, was it like the best player of all time, Barry Bonds, still only reached base like forty five percent of the time. That's a ridiculous number for people who understand. (laughs) (laughs) And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. Hey Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get direct TV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream direct TV over the internet now. Oh sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? (laughs) You mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit directtv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Well, we had another unwritten rules violation this week and that story has been really just crushed from every possible angle. So I don't think we need to go real Wait, far Wait, everyone that. heard about how I walked naked past my wife's Zoom again? Again? <laughs> How many times can a person do that in a year? Yeah. You're, it's like you're having, you're like having the no hitter year with naked Zoom walkbys. <laughs> Maybe that should be a written rule somewhere. <laughs> that should that is a written rule somewhere. It is. I don't know where it's written, but I'm sure it's written somewhere. <laughs> okay, sorry. It sorry, needs sorry. it needs to be written somewhere. I can write it down for you if you want. <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> I think we'll all write it down for you on this one. You guys, I'm sticky on my computer. I'm, I'll, I'll give you some stickum. It'll never fade. You'll be good. Um, <laughs> right. This is America. Got, wear pants. Tony, the Tony, La, the Tony LaRusso storyline is like the most overdone, overplayed. Gives me a headache. I hate baseball. Everything oh. and everyone. That's how I feel when we start talking about Tony LaRusso. Does he want? It's is this so what he wanted? It, it's just it's obnoxious. The thing that really bothers me about this story. That is probably getting less attention. Tyler Duffy gets suspended three games for throwing behind your mean Mercedes at the request of Tony LaRusa, which is just weird. Appeals the suspension, gets it reduced on the day of a doubleheader where he'd already pitched a game, got to serve it in a seven inning game where he probably wasn't going to pitch anyway. So he basically got his suspension reduced from three to one for caveman antics, as I call them, during the same week where. Kevin Pillar gets hit in the face with a pitch that was unintentionally thrown up and in that way. And I just, this is part of the game that has to go away. The retaliatory beanings and throwing behind guys because clearly guys without the intent of hitting someone can accidentally hit someone in a very bad spot. We've covered this a million times. How on earth did they decide to reduce Tyler Duffy's suspension for being a caveman? Yeah, it's... Uh, but again, I thought all the sticky stuff was supposed to help pitchers with knowing where the ball was going. Like, again, that excuse is nothing but an excuse because hit by pitches are at an all-time high. Guys are getting hit in the face. Um, I agree, Derek. There's just no – I'd rather – give me the Bauer to Tease trolling all day over a fastball in the ribs because too many guys now don't have the command to throw a fastball in the ribs. You're you're promoting guys because they're throwing hard and because they have a lot of spin. You're not promoting guys who have command anymore. Command is becoming that lost art. So we can no longer play by these barbaric rules of you did this, so I'm going to hit you. Yeah, because you might not hit the spot that you're trying. Like you're like trying to throw drill them in the butt, right? Be like just you know give them some sort of thing to think about, and instead you break their rib or try to get them in the ribs. Instead you hit them in the face. So yeah, yeah. It's not it's not good. And like, you know, so 
I hate to bring him up. I hate him. Uh, Mad Dog <laughs> was talking about... Uh, Cover your was, ears, kids. Geez, You're Mad, for us. Mad Dog was talking about how uh, he missed a sign. You know what I mean? Missed a sign. And he, he disobeyed a direct order. And, and Tony Russo yell, was yelling from the, top du- uh, from the top of the dugout, take or whatever. First of all, like... I don't think that any player is listening for his um, for his manager to be yelling take, and they're not like like they're not listening for a, for an oral sign. Like they don't they're not listening for a sign. They're looking to hit. So if he and and people miss the the other signs all the time. So maybe he just missed the sign and he didn't hear his manager. I don't think it's uh, that terrible a thing. And even if it was a terrible thing that he should that he should react to. And I'm not really into this whole like military order thing. But even if it was like, you know, a, a, a transgression, handle it, you know, like do even do the Girardi thing where yeah. you don't you say like you're at the presser say, no, man, I had we, we talked about it. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. He called Yermin know I mean, Mercedes clueless. He said he wanted to spank. He like, what did he say? Something about like, yeah, oh, he we're said, not going to spank he's too him. big for me to spank. Yeah. He made it about Come him. On. It was very clear, yeah. like you said with Joe Girardi. Joe Girardi did it with a pure heart. Like, right? He wanted to not let this play out in the media. Tony LaRussa has let this play out in the media, which shows me that he just wants the attention. And he got what he wanted. Nobody would shut up about yeah. it. It was all over my Twitter timeline. Uh, um, you know, we're talking and then about he gets it. He to still. play the sanctimonious in the end when he <laughs> says, uh, when he says, uh, oh, if you want to tell me that sportsmanship is not important, I'm going to absolutely disagree with you. Yeah. There's Is this really about sportsmanship? No. No, no it's not. It never was. It never it's will be with Tony. You proving a friggin' point and making it about you and making it a big deal and I think <laughs> signs of him losing the clubhouse. And that was I that's why I wanted to just give a shout out to Alana Rizzo. Like I do think that she's been a, a good uh, addition to that show cuz she pushed back and she's been in a clubhouse way more recently than him. Yeah. And she's like, I've been in a clubhouse. He's losing the clubhouse when he does stuff like that. And what do we see? We see Giolito making comments. We see Lance Lynn. I don't even think of Lance Lynn as a guy who talks about stuff like this. You know? I, was, I wasn't actually that surprised when Giolito made a comment. Because I'm like, yeah, Giolito is, you know, he, he's outspoken. He says stuff, right? Lance Lynn yeah. said these old rules are going out the door. Tim Anderson, like social media, his players on social media are clowning on him. Yeah. I think maybe he just doesn't know it because he said something like, oh, you think I'm going to lose? I'm not losing anybody in this clubhouse on that. I'm like, you don't know it, but it's happening. Yeah. He never had them. He, I don't think he ever earned their respect because Tony LaRusse is the kind of guy that walks into a room and thinks that his resume commands uh-huh. respect from everyone Gets in the room. He's pulled over for a DUI and says, don't you know I'm a Hall of Famer? Do you think every cop is a baseball fan? Right. Yeah. That's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And, who could have seen this coming? Yeah, I, I can't. I can't imagine. Like, how how could we have ever known something like this was going to happen? Uh, we had a, a great email come in from one of our listeners, Bobby, who took a look at the different projection systems, and he noticed that the steamer projections seem to be adjusting for the current run environment more effectively than the other systems, which is really interesting because if you're trying to use projections for the rest of the season to approximate value, if you have wildly different run environments you're going to get some pretty different looking values for pitchers and for hitters so I, it was something i hadn't really thought about but uh, just something that really i thought we should we should pass along and I, I don't know how quickly the other systems could or would adjust to the run environment but it's just something to definitely think about i talked to Derek Hardy about it and um he said that i think one of the major differences is not necessarily looking backwards because they all kind of do adjust to the run environment in in a given season. Um, it's that they have different ideas about like what will happen when velocity when when uh, when offense peaks in August. So offense peaks in August, and so they they have different opinions about how much more offense is coming. Um. And I think that's actually germane to our discussion about no hitters and what the over under is on on no hitters going forward. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure there are some who feel like why are you guys talking about ten as the over under? It should be like you know fifteen or twenty. <laughs> uh, but there is just this fact that usually 
um, offense comes back. There was a great piece on baseball prospectus by Rob Cranes about um, how some of the offensive indicators that should actually be starting to go up by now are lagging. So it maybe we don't uh, get that much offense back. Maybe it's just going to be one of those years. I, I tried to look at where we stand um, this year in terms of OPS going back. It's the 26th worst OPS of all time. Um, I don't know. Does that sound like alarm bells to you? or? Well, I just threw oh. a graphic up on the screen for people oh, watching nice. on YouTube. It's a big chart that you can find <laughs> over at Baseball Reference. It's the year-over-year totals for per-game everything. So you got runs, uh, hits, homers, RBIs, steals, everything. And it is a steep, steep drop so far compared yeah. to previous seasons. I know it's a little small if you don't have a, well, a screen zoomed remember- all the way. The single previous season didn't have a March and April. Right. So, and was universal DH. So there are these factors that make the year over year change seem much worse than it might, than it should be maybe. Well, even scoring last year though, runs per game were down last year in the shortened season, even with the universal DH. Right. So they're definitely the ongoing trends that are killing offense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. interesting chart there. And uh, one of my favorite pages at baseball reference. I check it out from time to time to see how things look. I don't think we're getting like, the look full at hits bounce back. And singles. Singles are just like just dead. Absolutely yeah. gone. Pac-Man dying sound dot MP3. <laughs> yes. I, I like this. I could I just I, I say <laughs> the name of a, a sound and you know, I try, try to make it. <laughs> you know, tries to make the sound. What could what could go wrong there? Varying degrees of success. So we had one more email come in, and this one is from Barry. And Barry wanted to know, in player analysis, I keep going back to the non-numeric part of the calculation. To be simple, what amount of percentage credit do you give to things like adrenaline or clutch or it factor? Should this be considered for revenge games, as we call them? I'm failing to grasp a true name to it, but maybe it can be summed up as the mental part of the game. If you can keep this thinking going, what can be said about a player in a slump? Is it possible they lose their mojo for a bit? And that creates or adds up to this undefinable five percent. So, curious just to know, like the the things we can't quantify. How much does that kind of factor into our analysis, Britt? I want to start with you, just because you spent more time directly next to the game than Eno and I have. We're a little more removed and looking through the numbers lens all the time. Like, what kinds of it's like soft sciences? What kinds of factors like this? do you think we sometimes miss in our analysis? Like the clutch debates on Twitter, those are like 10-year-old Twitter debates now. Does the clutch gene exist, right? Like, not really, but does it not exist at all? Like, I, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I'm, I'm still kind of receptive to the idea that there are some things like this that we simply cannot measure that we want to account for but can't account for very accurately. I, I do think there are certain guys who... Um step up to the moment, I guess, more, or maybe just like aren't phased. You, There are certain cases when I used to cover the Orioles, we'd go in with a young pitcher and, you know, not we, I didn't play, but the team would go in, they'd start a young pitcher and you would just see it on their face as soon as they got into trouble, right? I remember one time Buck Walter had an absolute conniption in his office and he was like, this guy is going out there and taking a dump on the mound. He said it in more swear words, but he was like <laughs> screaming uh, over and over. He's just out there and he's scared. He's taking a dump on the mound. And, um, you know, I can't ever, un- you know, can't ever forget that. But um, you you do see it with a lot of these. Yeah, like you can't quantify that, right? You can't quantify the fact that a lot of these really elite pitchers, if you don't get to them in the first inning. You don't get to them at all, right? Because they—that's it. They're done. That they're not going to succumb. Max Scherzer, yeah, Max Scherzer isn't going to all of a sudden give up ten runs in an inning, right? Like he's—he's he's just not. He's not going to fall apart and will. Um, some of these younger guys are. So you do. There is like that factor, right? Where how do you quantify what Max Scherzer does versus? Another, a younger guy, right? How do you quantify a guy making his first start shaking at Yankee Stadium? Like he, those things get missed a little bit. And a guy like Trey Mancini is a great one because nobody liked him. The numbers didn't like Trey Mancini. He was supposed to be a 4A guy. Well, here's a guy who had cancer, came back, and is probably the leading candidate for comeback player of the year just based on having stage three colon cancer. Uh, you know, the, the numbers account for a lot, but there's two things, in my opinion, that they really miss. One is the late bloomers. Two is the steroid guys, right? The guys who are cheating. There's no way to account for that. 
by by that pure data. You can't project that. So there's a lot of things mm-hmm. that we miss, right? We talk about the mental component a lot. That's something that you know you don't really see unless you're around these guys all the time. But I always think when we talk about this kind of stuff, like things that you miss, um, you miss the manager post game saying this guy was so terrified. He was taking a dump on the mound. Like These are the things you miss when you're just sitting at home and you're watching the game and you're wondering like, hey, why was that guy falling behind every single hitter? Um, his stuff looked okay. Well, because he didn't have the wherewithal to, to correct it. It's not just a physical game. Sports is not just yeah. a physical game. And I think most of us understand that. But we still, you know, we still try to pretend that that's what it is, that we can put all these numbers in <laughs> and be fine. And I think the teams who... Who, who really get it have that blend, right? And, and you know, and Derek, you guys have talked about this all the time. It's not just putting the numbers in or saying, oh, this guy's going to have a big year because of X, Y, and Z. Well, did you know that his dad died this winter? Did you know that, you know, he, he didn't have enough money to train? Like these are the side things that contribute to what you're seeing. I think I've, I, I, for so long didn't have access for so long was a writer that, you know, uh, basement blogger type, um, that, you know, I kind of just sometimes go to the numbers because I know the numbers and I and I don't know those other things. Like I didn't have the access to know a lot of those other things. And I don't know that I always trust my ability to um, parse body language correctly um, and to like understand exactly like we were talking about Logan Gilbert in his debut. He kind of had some weird body language but was that just him calming himself down was he was he was he successfully reining it in or was he taking a dump on the mound like like how much of it um how much can we really see that without being in the dugout you know um without really uh being up close so i tend to just go towards the numbers because i don't uh but uh, but on the flip side there are things that i do that um, aren't necessarily supported by numbers. Like I don't usually pitch a guy in a debut in fantasy baseball because I'm just like, I'd rather just see, first of all, I kind of want to see the pitch FX numbers. <laughs> I kind of want to see the movement numbers uh, and the velo numbers, which we don't have for minor leaguers. But I just uh, also just don't want to have the guy who's, who's taking that dump on my roster. I just want to, I want to like put him on the bench, see what happens and not take the, the big L uh, if, if, uh, if, if they weren't ready yet. Um, and so that ends up, sometimes I'm being conservative and I miss a week of, uh, a, a guy, you know, being on fire because I, I've got the guy on my bench, but there are certain things that I do that will, that kind of try to approximate understanding the game, the way a manager does. I think the manager has to include the numbers and the, the body language, the, uh, the human aspect, the, uh, you know, the, the manager will know if he, the guy had a big butt dust up last night. The manager will know if the guy came in hungover. Mm-hmm. That was the other part of Barry's question. Uh, for players, especially on the road, but this could obviously happen at home, too. If you have the, the Sunday day game after the, the Saturday night outings... That's time to rest the veteran coming in with the red eyes. Yeah. Right. I mean, how, how real <laughs> well, is that? It's just a regular rest day. Uh, mm-hmm. That's yeah. Nothing to see here. <laughs> You're not going to forget the taking the dump on the mound thing, right? Once you hear it, it's hard to like ever <laughs> yeah, forget that. I won't ever forget uh, <laughs> Is Buck actually a home movies fan? Like, there, I don't know if anyone listening has ever watched this show, but it's an, an animated adult swim cartoon from about, geez, the time I was in high school. It's almost 20 years old now. Uh, H. John Benjamin is one of the voices, of course. Oh, you know Bob's Burgers, Archer, a bunch of other stuff, mm-hmm. and he's uh, voicing a, a soccer coach, coaches little kids, but he he basically talks like Buck, and they they, they bleep it. <laughs> but I wonder if Buck actually. I mean, that's not a, a tough metaphor to pull on your own. Not to not to say that Buck couldn't do it, but. <laughs> I just wonder if he actually watches that show because that's exactly <laughs> something that Coach McGurk would say on home movies. But anyway, to to your point, Britt, um, I assume you've noticed players maybe not being at their peak on a, a Sunday following a Saturday evening out on the town. Guys, I've seen guys not come in until like 20 minutes before we get out of there. I've heard about... Guys who don't come into games until like the seventh inning. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Missed the bus. Yeah. Yeah. Missed the bus. Sick. 
uh, ate some bad yeah. food. Uh, yeah, you know, the, the whole gamut of, of excuses on flu those. Flu-like symptoms. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know how but you is can... Is it the flu or is it not? What? It's just flu-like? Flu-like symptoms. Yeah. If it... So what does that mean? He's just on the on the crapper all day? Just not feeling well and having <laughs> some sort of issue Barfing that you could have with the he, flu. he drank too many shots last night? Bingo. Flu-like yeah. symptoms. Key. Sort of flu-like. Yeah. It is sort of flu-like. So I don't know if you can quantify it in, in either case, but those things are real, Barry, and you know we want to account for account for them as much as we possibly can. Uh, before we go, I want to let everyone know $1 a month is the deal right now for a subscription. It's the best deal that we do all year. The athletic.com slash rates and barrels gets you in the door. On Twitter, she's at Brit underscore Giroli. He is at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Van Riper. That is going to wrap things up for this episode of Rates and Barrels. We are back with you on Monday. Thanks for listening.